Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. for your goodness and your presence in this house today. God, we have set an atmosphere of expectancy this morning. We anticipate. We anticipate that you're going to do powerful things this morning. All we're doing is giving you a preview of how we're going to act once you do what you're going to do. Because we recognize that the atmosphere that we enter with determines how receptive we are. I pray today that in this atmosphere that I sense of expectancy that now what you would begin to do is that you would produce in us prepared ground so that seed can be planted deep inside of us and that fruit would come as a result. And God, I pray today is that as your word goes forward and as it comes out and it cuts and it corrects and it does surgery deep in us, that you would adjust us to match your word rather than us trying to match your word to us. We want to match your word. We want to live up to your word. So I pray today that the word would be strong, that it would be sufficient, and that it would give us strength and produce change in us. We believe you for that today. And thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen amen anybody got a leftover praise one of those you don't have out yet kind of just yeah i know i know sometimes yeah we think we get them all out and then one just just out of nowhere just bubbles up right you can't help yourself i like those kind of praises amen well welcome this morning we are so glad that you're here and we're delighted that we get together and get to worship him and have a lot of fun doing it amen and uh, we've been talking about a climate change, and we are believing for it. It's, uh, it's difficult. It's not easy. But we believe that God is producing a climate change in our lives, in our body, in our hearts. Amen. And this is just a continuation. I don't normally break uh, series up very much. I try to keep them together. 
Y'all know that, but uh, I got a phone call, uh, or a face, was it a phone call or Facebook? Facebook, same thing anymore. Uh, <laughs> it just seems like, but uh, I got a Facebook uh, about a month ago, three or four weeks ago, and BK told us she was going to be in Texas, and some of you know BK uh, Jones, and some of you are getting ready to meet her. Uh, Les and BK Jones are some of our best friends in the world. They've proven themselves as great friends over the years, and uh, you can't, some of you know my story. I grew up around Apache, and my pastors are here, Pastor Bud and Sherry Jones, and this is their daughter-in-law, a daughter in love, and, and uh, we're just delighted that they're here to support this morning. But Les and BK got married and then moved to California and then moved back to Oklahoma and then moved to Alabama. Y'all help them. They're in, y'all pray. They're in Alabama. And, uh, and, uh, and y'all just pray. And just just keep praying. And uh, but uh, they're pastoring a church there called uh, New New Song. I almost messed that up, didn't I? And uh, and just so happened she was going to be in the area, and she called or Facebook and said, "Hey, I'm around." And I said, "Hey, come and preach." And then after she preached this morning, I realized God knew what He was doing. That's kind of a novel idea, isn't it? God actually knows what He's doing. And this just kind of fits hand in hand. And so this morning I gave some instructions in first service. I want to give you some instructions, please. Be easy to preach to this morning. Uh, what you'll find out about BK is it doesn't, you don't have to pull real hard to get the preach out of her, but, but I'm asking you to pull on the preach that's in her and, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I'm asking you to be attentive. Uh, put Facebook down for just a few minutes. Forget about what you gotta do this afternoon. Don't make this Grand Central Station walking in and out and distract. Come on now. Let's, let's hear what, if God sends somebody. <clears throat> Y'all know what happened in the Old Testament when the people didn't receive the prophets. Okay, we won't even go there. you got to be receptive and, and be attentive. So I just strongly encourage you this morning to listen clearly to what God is saying through BK as she brings the word. Would you give a huge Passion Church welcome this morning to BK Jones as she brings the word? Amen. Hey, I like second service. We have time. <laughs> I want to tell you, I don't call people and ask them to preach as a regular um, thing. I was in Dallas, Texas this weekend. Many women got free. Many women were set free by the divine power of our living God. And I just want you to magnify the Lord with me this morning and let us exalt his holy name together because he is worthy of all glory and honor and dominion. He's taking the place that you give him this morning. If you give him dominion, he'll rule and reign and do something awesome for you. If you hold back from him, you're going to miss out. So I just encourage you to make God big in your eyes. You're not going to make him any bigger when you praise him because he's, he's just, he just is. He just is everywhere and everything and humongous. But some of us have reduced him to a little dash-sized God. We've told him our problems are too big for him because we've not gone to him with them. Some of you are underneath a serious struggle in your life. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's physical. I don't know what it is this morning. But I know that he's bigger. And I know that if you'll begin to magnify him and exalt his name, all of a sudden, the climate will change in your life. I felt a word of the Lord for this church. And it was that the struggle was over. The struggle was over. I've never known two pastors that love their flock more than these pastors. And they love Jesus. They work with a spirit of excellence. But I just sense in my spirit, and I don't know, because honestly, I don't talk to Steve or Julie a whole lot, or Julie and I will message each other once in a while. But I just sense there's been a struggle. 
And I don't know what that struggle is. I have no idea. But, you know, I'm going to preach on Jacob and Rachel this morning a little bit. But there came a time, and I'll just go ahead and preach on it a little bit. How about that in Genesis 31? How about I just go ahead and start that beginning? I'm honored to have my mother-in-law and father-in-law and my niece and nephew and some friends from Oklahoma City and anybody else I miss this morning. I miss some people, and I'm like, I'm glad you. I didn't know they were here because I would have been scared, some of them. But anyway, I'm honored to have my in-laws here. I'm honored that they love me enough to come, aren't you? Some of your in-laws might not show up. <laughs> I'm thankful mine did, and I love them and honor them. They're a gift to our family, and we're just blessed to be in that heritage. But um, if you know the story of Jacob and Rachel, Jacob fell in love with a beautiful girl. And he went to her father, and he said, I want to marry your daughter. She's gorgeous. She had, he had two daughters, Rachel, who was gorgeous and beautiful in every way. And then he had Leah, who Scripture says she was a little weak-eyed. <laughs> I would have been sad if when Les met me, if he went to his parents and said, hey, she's a little weak guy. She's a little not so pretty. I don't want to be her, do you? None of us women. Thank you, Lord. You're not making Leah's anymore. We're all pretty. (laughs) But anyway, Jacob said, Laban, I would love to marry your daughter. And he said, okay, for seven years of labor, seven years of labor, you work, and I'll give you that beautiful girl of mine. So Jacob labored, and he worked, and they go. he goes, and they marry. Obviously, faces were covered when they married back then. <laughs> and Jacob has relations with who he thinks is Rachel, and he wakes up the next morning to a surprise. It's not the beautiful Rachel. It's a weak-eyed girl <laughs> named Leah, my brothers. Is this recorded? Oh, Lord. Okay. Well, some people (laughs) go to bars and they take home people and they wake up the next morning and it's quite a scare. My family calls it coyote ugly where you'd rather just chew your arm up than disturb them because you didn't know what you were doing. You know what I'm saying? I kind of get that feeling about Leah. Kind of coyote ugly. Go ahead. And Jacob's like, I got to get out of this. What have I done? Laban has pulled a trick on me. I don't know what I'm doing with the weak-eyed girl, but Lord help me. That is not what I bargained for. So he goes to Laban, and he says, this is messed up, man. You promised me Rachel. And Laban, who was full of trickery, if you'll see, you can see as you read that whole, go back and read their whole story this afternoon. Laban, who was full of trickery, said, oh, well, in our family, we marry all the ugly ones first. No, I'm kidding. In our family, we marry all the oldest ones first. And so I know I told you that, but there's a tradition, a law, you know, Every house has rules, and this is our rule. Ugly one first. So here you go, buddy. (laughs) And he's like, that's not the deal. I want Rachel. I love Rachel. He said, seven more years. Work for me seven more years. So when Jacob finally got Rachel, who was the favored one, who was the beautiful one, he was in love. It's like I dated other people, but when I met Les Jones, I found the handsome Italian stallion guy, the awesome... You know, there's just something different. I didn't, you know, it wasn't just like a kind of I like a guy. It was like, oh, my goodness. The Lord told me I was going to marry him one day on a bridge. I was praying, 
The Lord said I was gonna, I, I was saying, Lord, I don't even want to be married, but somebody's prophesied I'm going to be married, so whatever. And so, you know, if that's true, and if this prophet dude that I do know has a good tra- track record is telling me the truth and saying that it's my walls, my junk, keeping him away from me, then, Lord, you just show me who he is. And I don't care if I don't know anything about him or meet him or marry him for the next 10 years. Just show me, and I'll never tell him he told me. Quickest answer to prayer I've ever had. I got to the middle of the bridge, and while I'm arguing with God, telling him how I don't need a man because I'm a woman evangelist, and a man would get in my way, and I don't really understand what he's up to. The Lord said, and I was saying, and by the way, you're going to have to let me know. I mean, you're going to have to let me know, no, because I'm not dating any more losers, you see. Some of you need to quit dating losers. So I was like, I'm not going to date any more losers. I'm going to wait on your plan, God, but I don't want to miss your plan. So if it's here on this campus, I'm about to leave here. And so show me, Lord. I'm telling you, within seconds, the quickest answer to prayer I've ever had, everything in me jumped up and flipped. And God said, that is your husband. And right as God spoke that, the man that had never spoken to me ever in my life said, well, hello, Mrs. Smith. Miss Smith, I was not Mrs. Miss Smith. And I did know his name because my girlfriend had dated him and she had dated him for a year and he never kissed her. And I was helping her fix a plate for him one time at an event. She said, you know, he's never kissed me. And I said, well, honey, he might be gay. I don't know. But a man that went kiss a girl for a year, today I'm glad he didn't kiss her because then I'd have to hate her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I was like, what are you talking about? Steve said in the first service, he said, y'all didn't kiss before you got married. Well, you know, if he didn't kiss that girl for a year, I had to make sure everything was okay. I mean, not, not everything, but I mean, I wanted some sugar. And I, I wanted to make sure he liked me because the other girl was a little weak-eyed. <laughs> Let me just say... And I didn't know what the deal was. And so, like, about uh, three weeks after we were dating, you should wait longer than that. You should be like the Duggars and never kiss. I agree with that. Amen. I say that for my children. But um, I just said to him one day, you're scared to kiss me, aren't you? You're just scared. He said, I'm not scared. We're just, we're, we're just not going to kiss. And I said, you're scared. He said, I'm not scared. And I said, well, then just kiss me. And so he did, and we got married not long after that, well, about nine months after that. But the most wonderful gift of my life is my husband, and I'm so blessed to be his wife and have his children. Wonderful man of God. But anyway, so Jacob was after Rachel, and he loved her as much as you love your spouse, if it's a good thing. (laughs) He loved her. He wanted her. He wanted to be with her, and God had blessed her with favor. But now Jacob had two wives, and he had worked for both of them. So he went to the father-in-law and said, Hey, Laban, I've done all this 14 years. I got my girl, the pretty one. <laughs> we in tow. We're ready to go. We want to leave you, and we're ready to go. Because the season had changed. It was time to move to a new place. It was time to do something different, and Jacob sensed an end to a season. He was fine laboring for Laban because there was a reason and there was a purchase, a purpose. But now things were changing, and he was feeling it's time to go. So Laban said, well, you know, I want to bless you. I want to give you everything. Some people just flat out lie to you, right? So he tells him, what would be a good deal? And, you know, Jacob's scared to make a deal with a guy that had given him 
the coyote ugly girl. And so he's like, he's, he's like, well, how about if I just take the speckled, the spotted, the striped animals and the black sheep and you get all the others? Because, you know, Laban has said, I've been so blessed with you working here, Jacob. You ought to bless the place you work with. You ought to be awesome when you work. A great representative. God's releasing a marketplace blessing, a time of favor. Some of you that maybe have never even stepped into the marketplace, some of you that have never even thought that you had a business inside of you are going to begin to step up and start a business. And God's going to prosper you and cause wonderful things to come to you because of your obedience. See, he's noticed your season of suffering. He's noticed the season of struggle. But that season is over, my brother, in Jesus' name. Whatever that struggle is, it is over. Over, over. I don't know your name, but it is over in Jesus' name. And the Lord spoke that same thing to me about this church. There's been a season of struggle, but the struggle is over. So Laban was going on. He was messing things up. You can read it. And so Jacob called both the wives in. Can you imagine? How does the guy on TV have a whole bunch of wives, like five, whatever? Les Jones says one is enough. (laughs) One is definitely enough. But anyway, he calls his women together and he says, things have changed. Your daddy's acting weird. I've done all these things to get you and I've done extra. I've worked hard. I've gone above and beyond and believers should go above and beyond in their work, shouldn't they? I've gone above and beyond, but something's changing here. Do you feel that in the atmosphere? Something is changing here at this church. There's a change. There's been things that have been hard or just going to be easy. One thing, outreach. I know you have the pods. I was. Uh, there's a word the Lord's given me for three churches, Steve, and this is one of, the, one of the words this morning when I'm sitting here. The Lord said house fires. I know you have the pods, but I prophesied this over John and Lori Leggett, but I saw the same thing when I came here, that house fires beginning to take place, that the fire of God would fill homes and unbelievers would be drawn to homes and would receive from the Holy Spirit what he has and come to know Jesus in homes and then begin to celebrate here with you and be blessed here by the worship and by the word here and grow up into the Lord and do mighty things. I prophesy prosperous businessmen into this house in Jesus' name. I remember a word, and it comes to me this morning, that Jensen Franklin said. He said, you need a butler, Steve, to open doors that you can't open, and God's providing that. You need a baker that can take all the ingredients and make something special out of it. And then you need a Pharaoh to finance your dreams. So, Lord, we just thank you that whoever that is is coming. And the struggle, I don't even know anything about your finances, but I hear the struggle is over in Jesus' name. So Jacob brought both of the girls together, both of his ladies that have never agreed on anything since they've been with him. They fought over him. They battled over him. He brings them together and he says, it's time to go. We have to go. The season has changed. Your daddy's acting weird. I just feel something. Do you feel something? Something's got to change here, Jacob said. And I just feel something in the spirit. There are some things in your life that have got to change. There are some things you've got to get rid of in order to receive. Scripture says, forgetting what's behind me and reaching forward to what's ahead. You can't do both. Not successfully. You can't hold on to the things behind you and reach forward to the things ahead of you. You can't look in the rearview mirror by going 
straight ahead. You're going to have a, a crash. I found that out in Jamie's car yesterday in my sister-in-law's car. I didn't crash it, but it was close. I hate people to let me drive their new cars, but I do like my new car. But anyway, so he brings the women together, and for one time they agree. You're right, Jacob. It's time for change. It's time to move on. And so we'll pick up in verse 19 of Genesis 31. When Laban had gone to share, to share his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban, the Armenian, by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had. Sometimes you just got to go. You hear me? Sometimes you just got to go. You just got to get up and leave. You can't worry about all the details. When God says go, it's time to go. Sometimes he lets you process and sometimes he says right now, time to go. Some of you got to go this morning in Jesus' name. You got to move to a new level. So he fled with all he had. He crossed the Euphrates River and headed for the hill country of Gilead. In verse 28, we're going to skip down there. Laban shows up. He finds out they're gone. Comes his, his children, his grandchildren, Jacob. They've all moved on. People don't like it when you move on. Do you know that? Some people from your past are going to say, oh, but we had such a good relationship. No, you didn't. You didn't even know me. You didn't have time for me. I had to move on, but they'll come knocking at your door, that old girlfriend, that old boyfriend. Oh, no, you didn't get married. Oh, no, uh-uh, no, 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 no. You're way too fine for that. You did not move on. We had a lot of good times, didn't we? Or that old boss that mistreated you come back and say, how about you come back to work for me? And you know God's already called you to a new place and a new season. You got to go. So verse 28, you didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughter's goodbye, Jacob. You've done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. Now listen to this. When you move into a next season, some people will think they have the power to harm you, the power to destroy you, the power to, to throw up your past to you. But I want to tell you, listen to this. He said, I have the power to harm you, but last night the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you have longed to return to your father's household. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob didn't steal the gods. Rachel stole the gods. And he has no idea what's going on. Rachel answered, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me. But if you find anyone who has your gods here, that person shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there's anything of yours here with me. And if so, take it. Now, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen gods. Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen gods. He had no idea what the people around him were doing. He did not know. So in verse um, 33, So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel, who was slick, pretty but slick, Rachel, now, now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent but found nothing. So Rachel said to her father, don't be angry with me, my Lord, that I cannot stand in your presence. I'm having my period. So he said, everybody say, oh, she said that in church. So he, um, 
So he searched, but then the commercials, oh my goodness, you need to get sanctified after you even watch commercials now. So he searched, he searched, but could not find the household God. So Rachel was holding on to something. She was leaving her father's house. She had agreed to leave, but she went back to get something. She left. Listen to me. There's nothing behind you that you need to go back to get. When God says to go, there's nothing you need to go nurse and take care of. Here's a newsflash for you and for me. And it's been a hard one for me. People can get along without you. People can get along without you because some people will manipulate and control you and keep you in a dry season, keep you in a, in a past season and not let you go. When God's calling you forward, but the people that love you will cheer you on into the next season. But Rachel went back to get her little dashboard gods. I know that Jacob says that our God is going ahead of us. I know that Jacob says he's the mighty God of Israel. I know all these things, but I'm so comfortable here. I just, I mean, if God doesn't. If God doesn't show up, some of you are making provisions for yourself when God's given you a vision of something big and great, but you're making provisions in case he doesn't show up. You're doubting him. You're minimizing him to a little God that sits on a dashboard with a bobblehead. This is all you are, God, a piece of plastic to me. If I don't believe that you're my provider... That you're my friend. That you love me. That you're ready to do a new thing in me. If you can't celebrate what he's doing, you're just reducing him. Magnify him. God, you called me to this new season and I don't know what's up, but I want to go. I don't know what's up. I've never preached five times in a weekend in all my life and I'm preaching next weekend somewhere else. That's more than I've preached in two years probably. (laughs) But it's a new season. It's hard to leave things in the old season, but you got to go. you got to do what God says. When I got ready to go to Bible college, I thought of every reason not to leave a dysfunctional mess. Oh, I'm going I'm to miss so many things. A dysfunctional mess. I'm going to miss not having a car. I'm going to miss not having an air conditioner. Oh, but I just like my room. I like my office. I like, you know, we just hold on to stupid things. And to people that hinder us from being all that we can be. Sometimes you just got to walk away. Some of those people were great for that season. And you love them and you bless them. And you may keep in touch with them. But you can't stay there anymore. God had a great season ahead of me. But I had to let go of some family. When God's calling you to somewhere new, it's time to let go. You got to shed some things. I was thinking um, when I was writing this sermon about my father-in-law's mother. And we visited her in the nursing home. And she had those Roca chocolates. I think it is, you know, the awesome ones in the gold wrapper that are truffles. Anyway, if y'all want to run and get me some, I appreciate it. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, she had those. And then she had a jar of hard candy. And um, <laughs> Grandma says, you want some candy? And we're all, yeah, because we saw the gold packages. <laughs> and she said, well, here, y'all eat this. I'm trying to get shed of this and pulled out the old candy. The season was over for the old candy. We wanted some truffles. So what you're leaving behind is nothing to compare to what's ahead of you. You have to get shed of some things. Because 
even Rachel had hidden that. She was sitting on it. She was making excuses about the false god because she just couldn't let go of her daddy as dysfunctional and as mean as he was. She was still, that's familiar to me. I work well. I'm sure if he can, if he controlled um, her husband, Jacob, I'm sure he controlled her and her sister. Sometimes you just got to let some people go. But Rachel had hidden this thing. And listen, you got to release to embrace. You can't hold on and embrace. I can't hug Julie and hug my mother-in-law at the same time and give them a good hug, right? I got to let go of one to embrace the other. You got to let go of the stuff from this season to move on. Some of you, even the hidden things, you've tucked things inside of you. The enemy's told you, don't tell anybody what happened to you. Don't let that out. Oh, you don't want them to meet them. They know you. You don't want to bring your lost friends to church. They know you. They're going to tell you. They're going to embarrass you. You're a teacher now. You don't want to hidden things. I love the movement in the body of Christ where we're just getting real. I'm just real this morning. I don't have anything to hide. The good, the bad, and ugly, if you need to know it, you can know it. It's okay. Because we're safe in the presence of God. But Rachel didn't know that. She was stashing things. She was hiding things. And those things that you hide will haunt you. They'll flare up at the most inopportune moments. They'll come and knock on your door right when you're getting ready to go do something you've always wanted to do. And they'll say, hey, remember me? Remember me? You got to forget. You got to forget some things to move forward or they'll haunt you. Rachel was haunted. Can't you imagine how she felt? Daddy's going to know I did it. He's going to blame Rachel. He's going to blame Jacob, who I love, but then he's going to find it on me and And Jacob himself, the love of my life, has pronounced death over the person that's holding the hidden things because Jacob knew there could not be sin in the camp. There could not be hidden things in the camp for them to move to the next season. God was dissecting things. God was bringing them to light. And I want to tell you something. When he brings things to light, it's for your good. I love walking out of darkness into marvelous light. And I don't know about you, but what God does with me is that he'll bring it to my mind and to my spirit when I need to deal with it. You know, you think you got everything handled. And then he goes, "Mm." what about this unforgiveness? What about this bitterness? Not because he's a mean God, because he's so kind to not let you carry hidden drunk in your trunk. And that, by the way, that's the name of the message this morning. The junk in your trunk. Rachel had stashed junk in her trunk. She didn't want anybody to know. She's haunted. She's scared to death of what's going to happen if her daddy finds out if death is is imminent or if she's going to receive grace. I want to tell you this morning, in the Father, there's grace for the hidden things. You just got to expose some things. I want to tell you how pastors you can trust, that you can expose your issues to. They're going to love you and pray for you and help you through it. And I know the whole leadership of this church will. God's not into our digression. He's into our procession. He's not into you going back. Scripture calls it like a dog going back to his vomit. He's forgotten your sins. Scripture says he's, he's moved them as far as the east is from the west. 
He's moved them. Some of you, even this week, the enemy has come back to haunt you and to remind you of who you used to be. And I cancel that assignment against you, that ridiculous recall that plays over and over and over in your mind about the hidden things. Okay, you failed. We all have failed. The scripture says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also says that there's a grace that's greater than all our sins. It says that there's this, this unmerited favor, something I could never gain on my own, that's available to me that when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father through Jesus Christ, and He's going to cleanse me from all sins. Though they were red as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. What a deal. What a deal. Those hidden things, those traumatic things, those stupid things that we all did are buried. They were buried with him. And he arose victorious and sits at the right hand of God to ever make intercession. In my weakness, he's strong. I don't know what your weakness is. I don't know what you're being taunted with. But I want to tell you, it's not as bad as it seems. When Les and I moved to Oklahoma City, I'm so thankful for him. He didn't let me have kids for seven years because he said he had to help me get normal. (laughs) Good luck with that, right? Anyway, it was a nice try. Seven years. We waited to have our son because I had been in such a toxic situation. Such a dysfunctional mess. And I had marched around a pink elephant for many years that nobody would address. And so I got in this safe place under the covering of my husband, and God began to deal with me about addressing that pink elephant. You all have a pink elephant in your family. If you don't know who it is, just saying, just saying. Pink doesn't look good on you. Anyway, I was like, okay, and these ladies were praying with me about it at work. I worked for Feed the Children. These ladies in this prayer group would pray. We'd pray over Larry Jones's people some, and then we'd just pray over all our own needs for a little while and have a little revival camp. But anyway, I said, Les, God's, God's calling me to address that. So we prayed, and then we get a phone call. My family doesn't give much notice when they call. They're usually halfway to your driveway, <laughs> halfway up your driveway before you know they're there. So I get a phone call. And the pink elephant was arriving in Oklahoma City. And I'm like, I'm just paralyzed. I'm afraid. I'm scared. And God said, address it. And I had dramatized all the horrible things that could happen if I addressed the pink elephant. Because I was in bondage to it. I was used to walking around. I was just familiar. It would just be so easier to make them a meal. And feed them and bless them and give them a little extra money and send them on their way, that elephant. That's the easy way to deal with the pink elephant. Just kiss it goodbye. You know, be good to it, kiss it goodbye. And continue in the pain of your past when God's calling you out of it. That seems so much easier. But I want to tell you the crazy thing is many crazy cycles and episodes that I had worked up in my head about how I was going to address the pink elephant that God had told me to address. God brought them into my home, and in absolutely less than 30 seconds, something that I had dreaded for years was over. I said, you know what you did? I just want to tell you I know what you did. I want to tell you I can't walk around this anymore. 
It's, it's trouble in my life. It's hindering my marriage. I, some of you have the same thing. I've never said that before, but it hindered my marriage. It was stopping me from having a functional family. It was holding me back from loving the awesome man God gave me in the way I was supposed to love him. So I had to address that hidden thing. And I'm dramatizing hours. They walk out. They never talk to me again. They hate me. All those things. God said, just do it. So in obedience, I said, you know what I just said? You did it. You know you did it. It needs to go. This has got to go out of our family. It's got to be uprooted. I'm sorry I haven't forgiven you. I want to forgive you now and release you. But there's some people you need to make peace with. And you know, in that moment... If you want to get rid of your family quick, just do that. (laughs) In that moment, the person said, okay. Okay. And he broke in tears and he said, I'm sorry. And he left me. And I'm going to live 30 seconds. I dreaded this for years. 30 seconds or less. And he started packing and I'm like, he's packing. I go and tell Les, I did it. Les is like, you did what? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I wasn't even in there. And I'm like, I know God just said, do it right now. And I did it. And he's packing. He said, is he mad? I said, I don't think so. He's just packing. And so, so he came to me and he said, I love you. And I'm going to take care of those issues. I'm going to go address some things. You know what? Because it was no longer hidden. He wanted to be free as bad as we wanted him to be free, perhaps. The hidden things, what you're fearing, what you're hating to to um, address. God will give you grace if you obey that in prayer. God will give you grace to address that hidden thing so it can no longer haunt you. The hidden things will hinder you. Rachel, when Laban showed up and did a camp check looking for his gods, Rachel never thought, I wouldn't, I, I assume, Rachel never thought that stashing those little household gods was going to cause any problem for anybody else. But all of a sudden, the whole camp had to be still. And everybody had to be searched because of her hidden thing, because of the junk in her trunk. Everybody, all the children, all the slaves, everybody was paying for what Rachel did, for the junk in her trunk. I want to tell you, Everybody in your world is paying for what you refuse to address. I know that because everybody in my world has paid for what I would not address. And I'm doing my best to live the next half of my life addressing the hidden thing. My husband has a special passion for hating junk in the trunk. Because you know what? Your junk in the trunk, it makes a lot of noise. And when I leave stuff, I'm terrible. I'm notorious for filling my car with junk. I just walk around. It's a family curse. We just walk around with all kind of, I don't know what else to say, crap, (laughs) in in our car. And then when we fill up our car, we'll just fill up our trunk. You know, we like our stuff. It's a little scary. We like it too much. I've been getting rid of stuff. So crazy. My family will be so proud of me. I traveled with only a carry-on this time because God said it was a new season. I got on a video. I learned how to pack better, and I traveled with a 22-inch carry-on. Had six days of clothes in it, only for two. But anyway, I'm down from 30. I would show up at my mother-in-law's with so much baggage, 
And you know that baggage was representative of things that were in my heart. That somehow I would mess up. That somehow I wouldn't look good enough. That somehow I wouldn't be good enough. That somehow I wouldn't represent God in the way that I needed to represent Him. I wouldn't represent my husband in the way that I needed to represent Him. It was junk in my trunk and it just annoyed everybody. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Your junk is annoying everybody. The proverbial bottle. In the back of your car that just keeps rolling and grinding on your nerves. You know what I'm saying? You're whining. It's just grinding on everybody's nerves. You're poor mouthing. It's just grinding on everybody's nerves. And it comes from the junk in your trunk. And we'd all like to empty your trunk for you, but it's your trunk. You ever get in somebody's car and smell something weird and don't know where the smell's coming from? I'm also bad about leaving takeout bags in the back of my car. Let's be like, man, what's that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Let's just ignore that. I didn't do that. Mexican food is not does not smell good when you forget it. It doesn't smell good. I just know that from Les's troubles. No <laughs> Anyway. But it's their trunk, and you smell it, and you see it, and listen to me. The people in your life smell it and see it, but they're just waiting on you to clean out the junk in your trunk so that you can move on in your relationship. They're waiting for you to get a hold of yourself. You know what? I'm just too dadgum old to blame anybody else for my junk. I'll be 50 years old in January, and this is going to be quite a celebration because my mother nor my grandmother made it to 50. I'm breaking curses. January 23rd, be there if you want to. Come to Alabama, dance with me. But I'm too old to carry this stuff into the next season. I don't have a lot of time left. I don't know how long it is, but I know most people don't live to be 100. So to say I'm middle-aged is a little bit scary, right? But there are adjustments that God's calling me to make in my personal life. There are relationships that I have to heal. There are things that will not work in the next season. And there are things in your life that will not work for you in the next season. Your excuses will no longer work where God's calling you. Your smelly crap is not going to be appealing to the new boss. You're going to have to clean out some things. You're going to have to dig deep, but the Holy Spirit's going to help you. Scripture says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. He loves you. He's not mad about it. He's just ready for you to get over it. He's a loving God. And kindly, He's waited. For you to get to this place in this season where you can just let it go. Just clean it out. I'm sure at some point Rachel had to unpack. I don't know that the gods were mentioned anywhere else. But she hid it that time. And you know what? We just got to quit making excuses. Women, I think it's funny that Rachel used her period. Quit whining. Quit whining. The cramps aren't so bad. I mean, I know they may be bad, but you'll be all right. That's what we say in Alabama. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Quit making excuses for your trouble. 
Quit pointing a finger at everybody else in your world. When you're the one that's always ticked off, you're probably the problem. That was disturbing news for me. After I came out of season of anger and trouble, but I had stashed so much. Bad things had happened, yes. People had done stupid things, yes. But it's not what people do to me. It's what I do with what people do to me. Do I forgive them and let them go, or do I store it in my trunk and annoy the heck out of everybody? I'm good at annoying people, by the way. But I don't want to be that way. I want to be free to travel. I want to be able to move without limitations. I don't want to be stuck sitting and hiding something and not able to walk into my destiny. Do you hear me? God is calling you higher. He's calling you past what your mama said, past what your daddy said. He's calling you higher. See, Canaan was waiting for them. There was a better place, a better land that her husband had longed for. This is a lesson for us ladies. There was a place her husband had longed for. But she was hindering him and generations from moving forward because she refused to address the junk in your trunk. It'll halt you. It'll hinder you. And if you're not careful, it will paralyze you in the wrong season. Because what happens when we hold on to our junk, we begin to have anxiety attacks. We begin to become very fearful. I don't know. That's what happened to me. I don't know what your deal is. Stomach troubles. Our health begins to deteriorate because we're, we're, we're holding on. It's so stressful to hide things. It's so stressful to stash things. It's so stressful to have to rearrange our, drunk, our junk to try to get something new God is giving us in. It's the junk in your trunk. I'd love to take it out for you, but it's your trunk. And I want to ask you, as the Spirit is calling you, and you know, I know in your mind, He's putting His finger on some things. I'm very sorry, and let me say before God, and, and as a representative of the Father, and stand in place of everyone that has abused you and mistreated you and said unkind things to you. Let me say I'm sorry on behalf of the person that is too weak to say that. And would you accept the apology? Some bad things happened to us several years back. And I want to tell you, it paralyzed me in a season of mourning. I could not get over something bad that had happened. The offender went on. He did fine. Everybody else went on. I felt like I, I, I love that old song that Reba sings. said, I guess the world didn't stop for my broken heart. I'm like, yes, sister. I got you. They did not stop. They did not look at me. They did not give me what I needed. And I just stored all that in my trunk. And it paralyzed me. It stopped me from being who God had called me to be. I became angry and bitter and resentful. Everybody that came by me ticked me off because of what I was carrying in my trunk. There were days when it physically paralyzed me, when I just could not face people because of the pain I had stashed. And I, I remember asking God one day, where were you in the midst of all this? Where were you? Because I got angry at him, and so many times we do, don't we? And he said, all the while, 
I was begging them to stop hurting you. Because we forget that this world has sin in it. And because of people's sins that they inflict on us, we have pain. And because of our sin, we inflict it on others. And we end up with a mess. But all the while, God's sitting there calling people to repentance. Don't go. Don't do it. Stop hurting my kids. But sin has some dominion here on the earth. But we're moving to a better place. But sin has some dominion. But our God, he's a bondage breaker. He's a crusher of evil. You can rise up in dominion in this sinful world and you can crush what was sent to destroy you. At any time, Rachel could have taken those gods and smashed them. At any time, they were there in her trunk and she knew it because it had to be rough to sit on it. I mean, she didn't have the hard trunks like we have now, right? She's got a saddle on her camel. At any time, she could have smashed them. She could have gotten rid of them. Instead, she let them paralyze her and everyone around her in a season that was less than what God had for her. I want to ask you this morning, what's in your trunk? They eventually got to move on, but Rachel didn't get to go too far. She died right after childbirth. I wonder if she ever addressed it. I wonder, you know, I'm 50 years old. A friend of mine just passed away. I'm almost 50. Um, a friend of mine just passed away a few days ago. And all these people are saying how great she she was. And she was a great lady. But I counseled her late at night. She didn't know how awesome she was. She didn't know that everybody thought that. Because everybody's going to show up and say good things about a dead person. But when you lie, sometimes they're holding to their junk and never make it right. Don't be that person. Don't be that person that can't move because you're so bound up with junk. Emotional junk, physical junk. Some of you have a shopping problem. I've had that. I can minister to you. Some of you have a shopping problem. And you shop and you try to make yourself feel better. There's junk in your trunk. You're running up credit cards that you can't pay. There's junk in your your trunk. You can't tithe because of all your shopping habits. There's junk in your trunk. You're fearful. You find yourself riddled in fear. I just see somebody crouched in the corner saying, I can't do this anymore. There's a root there. There's junk in your trunk. If everybody's staying away from you, there's junk in your trunk. But there's a great deliverer arising in this house today. The Son of God is arising with healing in His wings. And I'm so grateful that He's got time to heal my junk. I'm so grateful that not only will He look at my junk, He won't look at me disgusted and mad. He'll look at me as a caring father and say, Hey, baby, can I take that luggage? Can I take that baggage? Can I take those things that minimize me to you? Can I just carry those for you? Because some of you are laboring under a very heavy burden. I want to tell you, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And if it's hard for you to live and breathe every day, there's junk in your trunk. He's coming to to demolish the works of the devil in your life. He doesn't want you to live bound. He doesn't want you to be paralyzed anymore. There's good news. You think you missed your appointment. You did not. An all-knowing God knew exactly how.
was going to take you to address your issues. He knew exactly. I'd sit around and think, I've missed it. I've missed my season. Still playing with my junk in my trunk. And all the while, he's just waiting for me to release it to him. That's all he's waiting for. Are you ready to do that this morning? I want you to stand to your feet. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to know first and foremost that God is crazy about you. He loves you and I don't care. I just keep hearing a mother and a father word curses spoken over you. And I cancel those things that play over in your mind that hold you in a past season. Everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. If that's you and you know that you just keep hearing those word curses in your head and it's hindering you from a new season. See, God is calling you to be better than your family was. God's not calling you to be wrapped up in their junk. He's calling you to move forward into your destiny, into your purpose, into the promised land. If they didn't get to it, that's their fault. We're sorry. If they like their junk that much, that's fine. But will you miss your promised land? Will you miss the good place that God has for you? Or will you let your junk go today? Will you lay it at his feet today? I'm going to tell you, he's a delivering God. The Lord told me a few years ago, he said, you're a surgeon. The people don't really like to see you that much. Make short visits. But he's gifted me because of all I've been through. He's gifted me to help bring deliverance to others. And in Jesus' name, I speak deliverance to you from your junk. You know you haven't. It's rattling everybody's nerves. Well, you lay it down this morning. Raise your hand if that's you. Now, you don't have to be ashamed. I've been shedding mine all ever since this message. <laughs> and before, thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. I'll be glad to pray for you. If you want to come forward, if you don't, I'm going to pray for you actually right now in your seats. Some of you, and I don't know who it is, but I keep hearing stress and anxiety. Your chest is pounding over and over. I don't believe it's a heart attack. I believe it's junk in your trunk. I spent thousands of dollars finding I had junk in my trunk. Lay your hand on your chest this morning if you're ready to get rid of that. In the name of Jesus, I believe I've asked God for physical miracles here today. It's going to be a physical miracle, hallelujah, for some of you as Jesus removes the junk in your trunk. As you open your trunk and say, Lord, I'm not hiding anymore. I'm not stashing anymore. I'm going to let it go today. He makes all things new. I don't know how he does it. It's just incredible to me. His grace and his great mercy. Today I curse anxiety in Jesus' name that is rooted in the spirit of fear and despair. You did not miss your appointment. God knew exactly when you were going to get here. He scheduled your destiny. You're right on target this morning. Just drop the junk and go. In Jesus' name, the healing power of Jesus, I declare, is flowing in the name of Jesus. All stress and anxiety has to go in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name, every one of you that are having anxiety attacks, I curse that in Jesus' name. And I command it to be demolished by the power of the shed blood of Jesus and the stripes that he took on his back. Today, you're free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. All anxiety go. All stress go. In Jesus' name. Thank you that your burden is easy, Lord. Your yoke is light this morning, Jesus. Some of you want to say, I've tried and I tried, but I just don't know how to let it go. I'm going to hang out for you today. The season is changing in this church. There's a shuffling. Don't be scared when somebody gets shuffled out. It's a new season. It's a new day. It's all right. T.D. Jake says, pastors, just drive the bus. People get on. People get off. We're just driving the bus. Don't get mad at us for keeping on driving. We've got an assignment. We're going somewhere. We can't stop for your junk. We'd love for you to go with us. But you won't be any good sitting on your camel, stashing your junk. In Jesus' name, be free. If you have something that you cannot break, you feel like you haven't never broke it on your own, I'd love to pray for you today. If you need to know Jesus as your Savior, today's your day. He's a real God. Listen to me. Some of you are struggling with believing that He's a real God. He's heard your questions and He answers, I am. I am. I'm everything you need. Let that junk go. That false heresy that's being spoken to you by a friend. You know exactly who you are. And I'm not going to call you out today. But I'm going to tell you the Father knows your name. And He says He will forgive and cleanse and he will show you his power lord we praise you today give jesus a hand hallelujah hallelujah praise you lord praise you lord steve come up here if you don't mind julie will you come here i know you're gonna sing awesome worship leader i want to pray over you too the season of struggle is over What happened in the rest of the story was that Jacob had to get tired enough of Laban's crap to say, not another day will you hinder me. He had to rise up in a prophetic voice and say, what is your problem? No more. A line was drawn in the sand. And I believe that's why I'm here as your sister and as somebody that adores you to draw the line in the sand. It's over. The struggle is over. The things that have been hard are going to be easy. In Jesus' name, I cancel all health issues from the stress. In the name of Jesus, I declare liberty and freedom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray now. In the name of Jesus liberty and freedom held up blessings i call forth in the name of jesus god has noticed the hour upon hour that you've labeled in the dark that you've tried to stretch things that were unstretchable to meet the needs but the struggle is over in jesus name 
sing this over your life right here. Come on. Come on, whatever you're fighting, whatever you've been hiding, he can't heal what you hide. Come on, let it go. Break! 
Father, I'm thankful for your word this morning. Father, we, uh, I've learned in my own life when, when you say something over and over that we ought to pay attention. And Father, what I hear you saying again today is that climate change dictates dismissal. There are folks in our lives that have made a profession out of celebrating our death and calling things dead when they're only asleep. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would remind us that there are things and dreams and goals and destinies alive in us that may have been slumbering for a while and others around us have said they're dead. But Jesus just walked into our life and He's cleaned out junk. And because of that, and we dismissed all of that, we now walk into life and we can celebrate life. But we've got to dismiss those that doubt. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we would be diligent and we would be obedient to dismiss the folks that you tell us that we've got to dismiss. We, we quit trying to hang on to folks that are dragging us down. And instead, we follow the cloud, the vision, the fire, the dream to where you would take us to our promised land. And so, Father, I pray that you would seal the word this morning and you would cause us to be stronger than we thought we could be. And I pray that the things that we feared would be weaker than we thought they were. And that in now and what would take place as we step out in obedience, strength would rise up in us. And the freedom that we experience out of obedience, just as the generational and the the junk in our life was impacting the generations around us, now because we operate in obedience, blessings would begin to flow to the generations around us. Father, set our families free. Set our neighbors free. Set our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers free. Let the favor that now rests on us flow out into others, I pray. In Jesus' name. Father, we as a body fight for climate change. Father, we as a body make a commitment to change the climate so that the weather will change. We quit whining about weather if we're not willing to deal with the climate. Help us to fight for climate change, I pray. In the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you'd seal that in each life. In this room, those watching over the internet, God, I pray that you would seal that and complete your work and let every chain fall off of us in the mighty and the powerful, in the freedom-producing name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor, give them a high five and say, You can go free today. You can go free. Then you may be seated for just a moment. Just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I know you've enjoyed this this morning. You can be seated for just a moment. Let her keep working. She's going to keep working. For those of you that need to go, listen, if you're visiting with us for the very first time, we welcome you to Passion. We would like for you to take your communication card, fill it out, take it to the green room. We've got fresh snickerdoodle cookies for you. If you're back for the second time, uh, come see me right after service and I've got pizza coupons for you. This is how we're going to do it this morning. You need to check your bulletin. There's a lot going on in there that we want you to be a part of to get connected. But here's how we're going to end. Our ushers are actually going to stand at the back door this morning and on your way out, I want you to be faithful in your tithes and offerings. Here are the instructions. If you would like to bless BK for her ministry, any loose 
money in the offering. If it's tithe, you need to mark it and put it in an envelope as tithe because everything that's loose is going straight to BK for her ministry today. So if you're writing a check, you can make it to us, but put a special speaker in the memo line or whatever you need to do. But if it's not in an envelope, it's going to her as a way of blessing. Come on, stand with me this morning. If you need to go, you're free to go. If you want to stay and be ministered to, you can do that as well. Oh, I almost forgot. We're eating at Swadley's today. Uh, make your way to Swadley's as fast as possible. We're going to fellowship as we eat today. I'm going to bless you and then I'm going to let you go. Father, I bless your people today. I pray that this word would take up root and residence in our heart. Help us to live all week with passion. Help us to be diligent and faithful all week long to see God break off chains in the lives around us. And we'll bless you for it in Jesus' name. You're blessed. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.